Once again, we hear the Old Testament lesson from Psalm 110, all verses. Brothers and sisters, this is God's word. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. The New Testament lesson from which our sermon comes is found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verses 11 through 28. You can find that on page 1004. Once again, we hear God's word from Hebrews chapter 7, verses 11 through 28. Brothers and sisters, this too is the word of God. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. On the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. The law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it's not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath, but this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins, and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all, when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men of their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath which came later than the law 
appoints a son who's been made perfect forever. The word of God so far, let us pray that God will bless the preaching of it. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, help us to hear your word this morning, to concentrate on it. Help us to clear away all conflicting thoughts and to focus on your law and gospel. Help us to hear about our sin and help us to hear clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Congregation of Christ and Friends, many situations in this life create insecurity because they are temporary. So we have temporary jobs, temporary workers, temporary residents, temporary mayors, and temporary crowns. Many things in this life are definite and limited, and they also shift and change like the wind. Therefore, security is often just as temporary, isn't it? Uh, You can rarely uh, really uh, depend on things and people. Truly, security may be found in those things which are permanent. And a permanent reality related to the eternal salvation of your soul is the interest of the author in Hebrews chapter 7. And the author's argument is simply this. The Levitical priesthood of the Old Testament was only temporary until its fulfillment came, that is, the eternal priesthood of Jesus Christ. And the point of the sermon is this. Security is found in Jesus, who is your perfect, permanent, high priest. Everybody seeks for security, but your security is found ultimately only in the perfect, permanent priesthood of Jesus Christ. So first, in the sermon we'll understand the temporary Levitical priesthood, and second, the permanent priesthood of Jesus. Because that's the contrast that the author sets up here. He's comparing the uh, temporary system, sacrificial system, with the permanent system uh, brought in by Jesus Christ. So the Levitical priesthood was imperfect, and by that we mean that it was only a temporary situation, as it were. We have to ask, first of all, what is the Levitical priesthood? Well, as you know, according to the book of Exodus and Leviticus, a sacrificial system, really an elaborate sacrificial system, was set up for the people of Israel. And in the system, uh, animals were sacrificed for the sins of the people. Their sins were atoned for within the sacrificial system. Now, only some men could be priests and temple workers in the system. Only men, that is, from the tribe of of Levi. Most of the men were considered uh, for a temple staff, uh, helping out the priest, and only the uh, descendants of Aaron could be a priest in the temple. Now these priests served to offer sacrifices on the people's behalf throughout the year, but the most important day of the year was called Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. On that one day, the high priest from the line of Aaron will go into the Holy of Holies and apply the blood of animals to the mercy seat. And this atoned for the sins of Israel for the year. Now in connection with the sacrificial systems, the author of Hebrews mentions the law several times by which he means the law of Moses. And when he means the law of Moses, he means the covenant of Moses. And the covenant of Moses, or the Mosaic Covenant, It's a relationship between God and his people mediated by Moses. 
Very important to understand. In fact, you really can't understand the Old Testament and the sacrificial system unless you understand that relationship in the Mosaic Covenant. Again, the Mosaic Covenant is a relationship between God and His people mediated by Moses and the Mosaic Law, which is primarily in the first five books of the Bible. So we'll come back to this in a moment, but these specific laws have very much to do with regulating the sacrificial system. So while this Levitical system, sacrificial system, was ordained by God, it was imperfect. This means that it was only a temporary system until a better system, a more permanent system, came along. I have to remember that the sacrificial system as a whole was burdensome. It was a very complex system involving different types of offerings and sacrifices. So for instance, a typical offering was a a thanksgiving offering. We talked about this last week, that um, all the people of Israel were responsible to tithe to the Levites, that is to give 10% of their produce to the Levites so that they could live. But there are also other different types of offerings that were called sacrifices. So there are things such as burnt offerings, which were sacrifices to cover sin. As the author says in verse 27 here in this chapter, and also in chapter 10, uh, some of these uh, were offered daily. It was a daily occurrence. And so the problem of sin, you know, the, the, the system of taking care of that sin was always before them. It was burdensome. If you, had, uh, if you were considered unclean for any reason, maybe it was a sore in your body, you would have to go through all these permutations uh, in the system to take care of the sore to be uh, considered clean once again. And so you can understand the burden that is the general overall feel of the sacrificial system. And the author here mentions several specifics as to why the system was imperfect and could only really be temporary. Now, first of all, the Levitical priests who served Israel were weak, mortal sinners. They weren't supermen, they were sinners. Verse 28 says that the law, again the Mosaic law, the covenant, appoints men in their weakness. This is a reference to the fact that these men are sinners and that they die. As the author says in verse 23, there were many priests. Why? Because they kept dying and another priest would have to take a spot. This is a problem. Furthermore, according to verse 27, the high priest on the Day of Atonement had to make sacrifices for himself first before making sacrifices for the people. So his own sin was a constant problem. So first, the Levitical priests were mere men. They were just like the people and they were only set apart by their office, not by their person, but by their office. And the priest's weakness was a constant reminder to Israel of their sin because the priests were just like the people, sinners. Second, the Levitical priesthood was a part of the Mosaic Covenant, as we've argued. Throughout the author's argument are references, notice, to the law. Again, the law is a Mosaic Covenant. People receive the Levitical priesthood under the law, verse 11. If there's a change in the priesthood, there's necessarily a change in what? The law, verse 12. Verse 16, Christ did not become a priest on the basis of a legal requirement. Verses 18 and 19, a former commandment is set aside because it is weak and useless, and the law made nothing perfect. 
Verse 28, the word of the oath came later than the law. And finally, verse 22, Jesus is a guarantor of a better covenant. It is clear from these references that the Levitical priesthood is a part of the law by which the author means the Mosaic covenant. But notice the negative references to these laws and covenants. It is weak. It is useless. The Mosaic covenant is inferior to a better covenant by which he means the new covenant, which we'll take up next time. The old covenant, that is the Mosaic covenant, is replaced by the new covenant because it is inferior. It's only a temporary covenant. And part of its temporary nature is understood through the Levitical priesthood. The sacrificial system which operated through this priesthood could take away sins only temporarily. And the temporary nature of the system with respect to sins is what made it so tough. You atone for sins for the year. Next day you start all over again with the sinning. And remember, if an Israelite became unclean for any reason, he or she would have to perform several offerings to be clean again. Every year. There's a reminder of sins. The author says in chapter 10, when the high priest sacrificed animals on behalf of the people. The effects of sin that came into the world through Adam are even seen on the priests. The priests die ultimately because they're sinners. The sacrificial system was necessary because it did cover sins, but it also functioned to tell Israel and the world that all people have fallen short of the glory of God. They have sinned against Him. So if you really wish to talk about insecurity, you should understand the Levitical system. And this is part of the author's point. All people are insecure ultimately because of their sin. Everybody struggles with it. There's not one person in this room or anywhere in the world that does not struggle with sin, and it creates necessarily a sense of insecurity. But all of this is necessary, you see, because the system, the context here, the covenant, points you to Jesus Christ. So in summary, the Levitical priesthood was imperfect, temporary, and this is clear because according to verse 11, another priest has risen not in the order of Aaron, but in the order or likeness of Melchizedek. So you can see his argument from the first uh, verse here, verse 11. Why did another priest have to come along if this old system was still standing? It's not. There's a new system through Christ. In verses 18 and 19, the author compares the Levitical sacrificial system connected with the law, he says a former commandment set aside, with a better hope through which you draw near to God. The better hope, of course, is the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. You must understand that the old sacrificial system was good and necessary. But it was good and necessary for Israel under the law or the Mosaic Covenant. It is no longer good today. The Mosaic Covenant has been abrogated, gone. The church to whom the author writes then and now was and is saying that the church is in danger of going back to old ways. The church then literally was tempted to go back to Judaism. 
They're just like you, except it was a different circumstance. They were persecuted, they suffered, and Judaism, for whatever reason, held out a better hope to them sometimes. Well, the church today, in various ways, is tempted to ignore the centrality of Jesus' priesthood speaking to the gospel. So what do we mean by that? Well, it means often that people confuse the law and the gospel. That is, they think that they can please God with their own good works, doing the law, and perhaps gain favor with Him instead of believing in the gospel alone. But even more insidiously, people just lose interest in hearing the gospel preached and taught. Their sin clouds the issue that they must always hear that God forgives their sin and has imputed the righteousness of Christ to them. The most popular sermons, the most popular books, the most popular CDs today are the ones that focus on what people believe to be the practical moral issues of the day. Sermons, books, and CDs that focus on Christ and the gospel are really not that interesting to people. And part of this is a sentiment that I've heard it all before. Well, I've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, the sentiment goes, and now I need to get on with the business of living my life. Yeah, I know that Jesus died for me. I understand something about justification, that his righteousness was imputed to me. But, you know, I can, I can believe that, but I need to get on with my life uh, to really uh, please God. But you can't live without constantly hearing about the atoning sacrifice and sinless life of Jesus, the author argues here. You will not and cannot advance in the Christian life without hearing and praying and singing about the bloody and most profound single sacrifice of Jesus, which is before the Father right now in the heavenly places. It's important to God You are in danger of falling away and reverting to a false system of religion in the name of Christianity when you don't focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. No, the author's argument here is that Jesus is a superior priest to the Levitical priests and his system is superior to the Old Testament sacrificial system. That is what you must love and sing about and talk about constantly, say with your children. The children in our church to whom belong the kingdom of God teach you much. They will grow either to be moralists who focus on good behavior to the exclusion of the gospel or to be children of faith who focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ which produces good works of gratitude. Two choices, not just for the children but for adults as well. You can be a moralist and say, I'm going to focus on being good. After all, I see God's law in the Bible, and I need to follow it. And I need to be good. But the gospel, hearing that, is for those who are not Christians. Well, then you're a moralist. Or, other option, is to hear the gospel constantly, to focus on it, to meditate upon it, and understand that true good works extend from hearing the gospel saying that God has left me a sinner, the sinner. He sacrificed His own Son for me. He imputed Christ's righteousness to me and now mediates on my behalf, interceding for me in heaven. 
What can I do to say thank you to God? It's to care about the law, to follow the law. And that's what the author understands here. Sure, you're suffering. Sure, you're having a hard time. God understands that because Christ is your mediator. He's been through all of it before. He understands and loves you. That creates security, doesn't it? That's the gospel. Furthermore, hearing about the gospel produces true security because you believe more strongly that your sins are forgiven and Christ continues to mediate on your behalf in heaven. I mean, it's really hard to believe that. Some days it's easy. You think, well, I didn't do so poorly. But then the next day you think, I can't believe I just thought that. Or I can't believe I just saw that and I know I shouldn't have. Or I can't believe the way I just treated my neighbor or my spouse. How could God forgive me? But this is the argument, the, the author's point here. As the gospel says, you are forgiven, you too. Who just thought that? Who just saw that? Who just did that? You're forgiven. And it's only the gospel that gives you that hope of being forgiven. And you have to hear it again and again and again. And so the author takes great pains to preach about the imperfect temporary Levitical system which left standing will create insecurity. Verse 15, he says this becomes more evident. The author is arguing that it is evident that the Levitical priesthood is imperfect temporary because another priest like Melchizedek, Jesus, has arisen in fulfillment of Psalm 110. The focus is on Jesus' priesthood in its eternal aspects. Again, think of the security here. Jesus is a priest like Melchizedek, who is what? Without beginning of days or end of life. He is a priest by the power of an indestructible life. Again, like Melchizedek, he's a priest forever. He holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. He always lives to make intercession for you. He offered himself up once for all and is being made perfect forever. The eternal aspects of Jesus' priesthood are hard to grasp because everything in this world is so temporary. Everything is temporary. Everything is changing. The weather changes. Your vocation changes. The economy changes. Political administrations rise and fall. But of course, the most disturbing change above all is death. You are here for a time and gone, just as the grass of the field is here for a time and gone, James says. Your life is very temporary. And the threat of death is what which uh, contributes to your feeling of insecurity. So you notice that the very priests uh, who were given the task of giving the conscience peace were dying. This is what the author picks up on. I mean, where's your security? I mean, even in these priests who are, who are given to uh, make sacrifices on their behalf, they're dying because of sin. So the Levitical priests became priests because the law appointed them as such, but only temporarily. But Jesus was made a priest by an oath. This was affirmed by the priest, or rather the psalmist in Psalm 110. Notice the Lord has sworn... The Lord has sworn and He will not change His mind. Like people are so fickle, God is not. He will not change His mind. You are a priest forever. 
The author continues in verse 22, This, as in this oath, makes Jesus a guarantor of a better covenant. The law and its system has passed away, but God's word here, His oath, stands forever. That is your security, brothers and sisters. And Jesus as guarantor means that He is responsible for the legal obligations of the new covenant under which you are now bound. Christ was crucified to bear the punishment of your sin and to meet the demands of the law in your place. And thus you are secure. The Levitical priest cannot offer this kind of security. He died and was replaced by other sinful priests who then died. A false system of religion, even if it is in the name of Jesus, cannot take care of your sins or meet the demands of the law. No, only Jesus can give you security in eternal salvation through his one perfect sacrifice on the cross. Now he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, verse 25, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to him uh, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The author does not mean by uttermost a matter of degree here, but a matter of time. Jesus Christ is your what? Your eternal high priest. The Levitical priest could only intercede in the sphere of salvation for God's people for a time because they died. But Jesus intercedes on the basis of his sacrifice eternally in the sphere of salvation. He saves you eternally. After all, as the author says in verse 16, Jesus has become a priest by what? The power of an indestructible life. That means he did indeed die, but he was raised again, proving that death has no power over him. And because death has no power over him, death ultimately has no power over you. And kids, you say, what do you mean? My parents tell me that I'm going to die, and you will die. Unless Christ comes again first. But you will live again. You will have eternal life. You have eternal life right now because Jesus was raised from the dead, you see. Oh, it seems so simple. I mean, why do we say it? We know that. No. We really don't understand that or believe it. And so we need to hear it again. Death has no power over Jesus. And so death has no power over you and to eternity. In verses 26 and following, you hear that Jesus was and is holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need now to offer sacrifices for himself like the Levitical priests, but became a sacrifice which was a priestly act once for all. The Levitical priests could not sacrifice themselves for your sin, and the animals which were offered atoned for sin only for a time. Therefore, God's oath, which does not change, as proclaimed in ancient times past, appoints a son who's been made perfect forever. That means for all time, in all situations, into eternity. Brothers and sisters, your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. So in conclusion, it's very clear from the author's argument here that the Levitical system was only temporary. And part of its temporary nature was to point you to Jesus Christ as it was to point that church in the New Testament to Jesus Christ. And now your hope, your security is found in Jesus Christ alone. Not only died for you 2,000 years ago, but now intercedes for you on your behalf. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
Amen.